0: Welcome to Podcaster News Show, episode number 35. This is the podcast where we round up some recent items, uh, newsworthy items from the podcasting space, stuff that wasn't quite enough on its own for us to cover it on the podcasternews.com blog. My name is Sean Thorpe, and I am with...
1: I am Jen Thorpe.
0: And what's the first item on our list this week, Jen?
1: The first item comes from the Wall Street Journal, and it is written by Steven Perlberg. The title of this article is, Podcasting Has an Ad-Skipping Problem Too. And it's, I mean, you can already tell where it's going. Mm -hmm. It's starting by referencing that, you know, if you're a website... People are using ad blockers, so you're not getting ads through that. DVRs, it says, lets viewers bypass television commercials. And now it's talking about the skip buttons supplied by different things where you can skip 15 seconds or something like that. So it's entirely possible for a person to download a podcast. Notice that there is an ad starting. Click a skip button and not hear it at all. And I don't think that's particularly new. But it is something that advertisers are starting to become aware of. So um, it does say in here that Downcast has three options, 15 seconds skip, 30 seconds and two minutes. So you can quickly discern if you listen to a particular podcast long enough, you can quickly discern how long their ads generally are, click the button of your choice and entirely skip the ad. Um, And there's others that do it too. So, you know, you've got that. Going on, and it's um, the article kind of says that this is kind of limiting the ability for podcasts to sort of grow revenue, you know, because yeah. not only is there a skip button, but in addition, it goes on to say something we've mentioned on the show before that a lot of advertisers are kind of miffed that they cannot know for certain exactly how many people listen to an ad on a particular episode of a podcast. Right. Um, you know, since you you don't know for certain, you you can tell hey, this many people downloaded this episode, but you don't know for sure if they've listened to it, and you have no way of knowing if they skipped any of it, including the ad. And this is kind of bothering advertisers who need more uh, reassurance than they're being given, apparently. So um, it's something to think about, you know? It's something to think about. And they're kind of saying that um, one of the solutions appears to be if you have the host or co-host of the show read off the ad in a way they kind of, flows into the show a little bit better and um that that's going to make people listen a little bit more because first of all it's an i would guess it's not as jarring you know you're still hearing yeah. the host talk you're not getting this immediate oh wait the host stopped talking what is this oh, it's an ad, you know, that kind of thing. So you might listen to a little bit more of the ad by default or by accident or sort of be tricked into it, I guess, is the way of thinking of it. Um, Another way of thinking of it anyway. But um, other than that, though, people are using the skip buttons. Now, I don't see why advertisers are surprised by this. I mean, we, we know that even, you know, back before cable TV, that when the commercial came on, that was the time to go get a soda or go to the bathroom or... You know, put away whatever you were working on if you were folding laundry or something. You know, people got up when the ads were on and came back afterwards and continued watching their show. It's not new. This is not a new behavior. I don't know why they're so upset about it with podcasting, these advertisers.
0: Yeah. Well, I have a few thoughts on this, and the first one is that I have used the mobile Downcast app on my iPhone, and I did appreciate its flexibility in having those different skip button options. And what I did learn when I wanted to skip ads is that a lot of podcast ads, especially ones that are read by hosts, generally run around two minutes. And I'm not opposed in any way to ads in podcasts. But when I know I'm going to hear an ad for, you know, any of the regular companies that sponsor podcasts, so obviously there's Audible and uh, Casper Mattress, Squarespace, all of those companies, I know everything they do and I already know whether or not I need them. There's no way at this point in the history of the world that you can give me that information in a way that I'm going to care about and I'm likely to skip over. But usually when I hear a new sponsor ad on a podcast, I will listen to it a few times because I'm just curious about it. But, hey, that's something different. Maybe it will actually be useful to me. And this whole thing that's coming up about, well, we can't measure podcast listening well enough and all this kind of stuff, that seems to be coming from these larger, and in some cases older, media companies that are really just now starting to get into podcasting, it always makes me scratch my head a little bit, because, especially when we're talking about the radio companies that are now getting into podcasting because these are the people who for decades relied on things like Arbitron ratings and Nielsen ratings, which most of those things are generated by you know little survey booklets that they send out in the mail and people fill out and send them back, and they'll kind of bribe you to do it. You know, they'll they'll put like three dollars in the envelope and and go, okay, well you you agreed to do this, so here's your uh, reward for doing this. Please fill out the book. I've done that a couple of times and every time I would just fill out the podcasts I'd listen to because I don't really ever listen to radio. But my point is, I don't really see how, with podcasting, and we're talking about measurement, and I guess we're getting a little bit away from the ad-skipping thing, but when we're talking about measurement, when you have a good stat system behind you, you can get a pretty good idea of at least how many times your file has been accessed by different devices and presumably different people, whereas what's been relied on for decades really is just kind of guesswork, at least in my opinion. And yes, for now, there's really no way to determine if someone is skipping over ads. And obviously, if you're an advertiser, you don't want that. But on the other hand, and you've kind of pointed this out, that really forever, there's never been a way to know that. It isn't like back in, you know, 1966, they had any idea how many people were actually watching a TV show or listening to a radio station, and they knew that exactly at when, you know, an ad break came on that those people may or may not still be in the room listening or watching. So, This is just another part of this kind of multi-pronged agenda on behalf of these larger media groups. They want to be able to steer podcasting in a way that works to their ends, and the big part of that is they want to take the download away. They want everything to revert to uh, on-demand streaming so that they can measure every last bit of data that gets served to listeners and know exactly when, okay, somebody pressed a pause button here or somebody skipped, you know, somebody tried to skip something here. And really more importantly, what they want to do is disable your ability to do that. Now it's possible that if someone were to come up with some sort of in-app measurement system that all these different podcast apps could adopt that would track that information and send it back, okay, maybe there'd be a way to make that work to give them the information they want, but I just don't see that kind of system getting the kind of universal appeal that it would need and then be supported everywhere. I mean, the thing about podcasting, whether you like it or not, and it's always been this way, and it is this way for now, and I hope it will be this way forever. I'm sure it won't be, but for now, is it's ostensibly open, it's ostensibly free, and when a podcast feed is put on the web, anyone can pick it up and do whatever they want with it, and that's just how it is. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, personally, I'm in favor of that, but I understand why these large companies are not, and... I don't know if I've gone off the rails too far I, on I don't this think topic you have, but really, I don't think I have anything else to say. Yeah,
1: about it. well, I think that, you know, if you get to a situation where podcasting has been taken over by these large companies that are only interested in selling you things and not really interested in what's good for the pod, the individual podcasts, um and you know, if you've get if you get podcasts that have too many ads, people that listen regularly tend to, you know, start saying, "Hey, I'm really tired of these ads." You know? So, I mean, the button gives them a chance to skip instead of complain to the podcast hosts or co-hosts or whatever. But, um, you know, I think, I think that if you have a situation where it has become, okay, you're going to get stuck with a bunch of ads in your podcast and that's the only way to do things, um, I think people might go the route, like if they have large shows with very a huge amount of followers that are very devoted I think instead of pushing ads at people that they don't want, people are going to go to things like um, Patreon, you know, yeah. instead. And instead of saying an ad for a product that may or may not fit in with what your listeners are here for or the topic you discuss on your podcast, you can say, hey, support us with our Patreon and those that are devoted that want to, we'll do that. And be happier doing that instead of, you know, dealing with the ads. You know what I mean? Like, right. there's, wa- there's going to be ways around this that these big companies cannot control.
0: Yeah, that's true. And I don't know. We'll see how things play out. This is my ultimate advice that will mostly be ignored. But when you're considering developing a podcasting platform, an app, what have you, what you want to consider first... And they usually never do this. But what you want to consider first is what is the end user experience going to be like? Don't worry about what the advertisers want. Don't worry about what the podcasters want. Worry about what the end user wants and build backward from there. And usually these large companies, they don't care about that. They just want to be able to get you locked into a platform where they know as much about your behavior as possible and that they can control what you receive, including the ads. And I think we've covered this enough. Yeah, we're probably so done let yeah. Let's move on to the next thing, which is actually a, a lot more nice and a lot more fun. And I really like what this article is covering. And the title is, May the Podcast Marketing Be With You. It's written by Matthew Passé on pod to pod And I would recommend going over and reading the whole article, but the gist is this. A podcast called Steel Wars that is uh, produced by Steel Saunders. It's a Star Wars podcast. And at uh, the recent San Diego Comic-Con, uh, the producers of this podcast put out this clever flyer And it says, have you seen him? And it has a photo of uh, Mark Hamill in sort of the Jedi Master robes. Uh, And, you know, perhaps a spoiler alert at this point, but in the recent Star Wars movies, uh, Luke Skywalker, portrayed by Mark Hamill, just in case anyone doesn't know that by now, is uh, kind of lost. And they're trying to find him. And this is a big... Uh, thing that's going to be covered in the upcoming uh episode eight film. The um producers of the Steel Wars show they put this flyer together that kind of looks like a, a missing person flyer for Luke Skywalker. And at the bottom it has text that says if you you know if you're looking for him or you have information on him uh, we're reporting, actually, this is what it says. It says, a Steel Wars podcast public service announcement, a daily free podcast from Star Wars Celebration Europe, San Diego Comic-Con, uh, San Diego Comic iTunes, uh, SteelWars.com, or free iPhone app, uh, tweet slash Insta sticker to add Steel Wars. So this is something that if you were at Comic-Con, and I just have a feeling that people who are into Star Wars probably go to Comic-Con, if you were there and you just happened to receive one of these flyers, you just saw it somewhere or someone gave it to you and you're a Star Wars fan, you're immediately going to look at that and it's going to catch your attention. And then it's got the information here about this Steel Wars, a Star Wars podcast. And if you're someone who, you know, is intrigued by that, maybe you'll go and subscribe to the podcast. At the very least, it's put the podcast name in front of you for however long you decide to read the flyer.
1: And if you and take it home with the rest exactly. of your stuff that you got from Comic-Con, you're going through all your comics and everything else you picked up, and you can be like, oh, yeah, I remember picking this up. What was that podcast? There's the name. There's the URL. There's you know, how to find it in different ways, and um, you're all set. They're going to remember again, oh, right, this was a podcast I wanted to check out. You know? And
0: what I love about this is you know there's so much difficulty really in marketing anything at this point in history, but podcasts can be specifically difficult. And one of the things that comes up over and over again is the advice that whatever you're producing a show about, you need to get that in front of, you know, that audience. And in this case, if you're producing a Star Wars podcast, there's a pretty good chance that the kind of people that might listen to your show are going to be at Comic-Con. Now, what you don't do is you don't uh, you know, put your flyer on everyone's windshields. Oh, never do
1: that. That's the worst way of advertising anything. You
0: don't uh, you know, throw them at people as they're walking through the main gate. But you do you know, hand them out or, or post them around in a non-aggressive fashion, I guess would be the way to put it. So, well, it
1: said here that it was being handed out by a mom that was dressed as Leia and the yes. little girl that was dressed as Rey. So yes. they're in costume. People are going to look at them because they're in costume. People might take their photo because they're in costume. And here, you know, these two Star Wars characters are handing you a Star Wars thing. It's a lot more interesting than leaving it on someone's car. Right. Um, you know, yeah, that's that annoys me when people leave any kind of advertisement on my car. It just bugs me. it's, yeah, it's... You immediately think, oh my God, I have a ticket, you know?
0: Yeah, it's an invasive way to try to promote something and generally just upsets people. But this is a scenario where you've got people that are likely going to be interested in your topic. Yeah, a lot of those people are going to take your flyer and they're just going to immediately toss it in the trash, but some are going to look at it like you said. Mm -hmm. You know, you go to these types of conventions and you are going to pick up a lot of stuff and some of it's going to be junk, some of it's not. But a lot of the stuff that people pick up, they're just going to toss it into a bag or a backpack. And when and they get home, home. Mm-hmm. they're going to go through it and determine what they want to keep. And in that moment of determination, they may look at your flyer and go, hey, this looks like a cool podcast. I'm going to go subscribe to it and listen to it. And you know, they may just toss it. You have no way of knowing. But at the very least, I feel like as a marketing technique, this is an example of getting your show in front of your audience. You, you know, you don't want to take your you don't necessarily want to take your Star Wars podcast and go advertise it at, you know, the the local real estate convention. Certainly, there are real realtors, I'm pretty sure is the way you're supposed to say it, who are Star Wars fans, but overall it's just not a great idea. And One of the things that I see a lot with new podcasters is there's still this notion that, hey, I have a podcast. So the people that want to know about my podcast are obviously other podcasters. So then somebody launches a new show and I'm on, I don't know, uh, around 10 different podcast forums on the web. So immediately I see this, you know, this producer putting their show out going I've got a show look at me and it doesn't matter what the topic is it may not have any immediate relevance to podcasting but they think oh it's a podcast so podcasters must want to know about it and I think that was probably true 10 11 years ago it really isn't anymore so that's not what you want to do that is effectively creating spam and you don't want to create spam. This is a scenario where I don't feel like you're doing that. And overall, the approach is mostly harmless. The worst thing is you're giving someone a piece of paper that they'll throw away later. You're know you not really being invasive or obnoxious about it. And I like that, and I think it's a good idea. And I think it's a good example for whatever type of show you're producing. It's a good example of how you can make it Known how you can promote it amongst people who are likely to be interested in what your show covers, and I think I've said enough about that. Yeah, I think we've got that. That's
1: pretty much what's
0: What's next on the list?
1: moving on, we have an article from Power Press Podcast, and it is titled "Podcasting in the Big Picture Part Two: Simple Tweaks to Increase Your Traffic." Now, this is information that is coming from uh, Blueberry. Is uh, the power Power Press Podcast, Blueberry is behind that. And uh, Todd Cochran is the CEO of Blueberry. He was at Podcast Movement just recently. So this information is coming from uh, stuff that he said at Podcast Movement. So if you were there, you got some of this. If you weren't, hey, it's over here um, (laughs) to check out. And I'm not going to go through every single thing on here because, you know, you want to check this out on your own too. But basically it's giving you some ideas to um, increase your stats increase your, you know, increase your audience, how to use your stats to, to find new ways to increase your audience or new to you in any way, um, different things like that. And there's a couple of things in here that I thought were really interesting that I hadn't thought about before. And one of them is don't ignore Android, right? You know, you get a lot of people saying, Hey, we're on iTunes. That's great. But what if your listeners have an Android phone? You know? (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, it's people do listen to podcasts on Android, so you should probably, you know, the the, uh, suggestion here is, you know, maybe mention it and maybe have, like, a link to Google Play, you know, if your show's there, that kind of thing. Um, Because if you just say, oh, it's on iTunes, you're overlooking an entire group that could be listening to your podcast very easily. Right. You know? So I thought that was pretty interesting. Was there one in here that stood out to you?
0: Well... Just looking uh, over the tips here, well, there there's some statistics, and then there's some tips. and one of the things that I thought was worthy of mentioning from the uh, statistics, and what Blueberry did here is they surveyed a bunch of different podcast websites and uh, 36% offered no way to play or download podcasts directly from the site.
1: That is mind-boggling.
0: 27% buried the podcast feed on a secondary page rather than site's homepage. So when I saw those, I thought, yeah, those seem like no-brainers. I understand in some cases, depending on what you're doing with your website, not necessarily having your podcast on the main page or even having your podcast feed on the main page but having no way to play or download from the site is a really bad idea and I know for myself there've been plenty of times where if I just wanted to sample a podcast I would go through and either click on an embedded player or just download you know straight from the site and listen to it later on my computer so, those kind of seem like obvious things, but I guess there are still people some that, are missing that, that are overlooking that. I
1: guess. I mean, but if you think about it, um, a lot of people, when they want to check out new podcasts, they just go to iTunes, you know? So, maybe these are new podcasters that didn't start when, you know, our generation did, I guess, so to speak, um, you know, 10 years ago. Um, that, where, you know, 10 years ago, you needed your link on your page, for sure, you know, but... Now, there's so many other things, and I guess people are maybe, maybe their thought is, oh, well, it's on Stitcher, and it's on iTunes, and it's on, you know, all those other ones, so I don't really need to put it here. But people do, in fact, come to the, you know, website to check things out. And that brings me to another thing he's got in here, um, talking about, you know, beefing up your show notes. Yeah. And he said that, um, there's something in here that said that, you know, most show notes are just like a, less than a paragraph worth of content. Yeah, You know, and that's not really helpful for you. It doesn't really tell you a lot about what's going on. Brand new listeners aren't going to really get that. And, you know, I've done show notes over the years. I've done show notes for several different podcasts, and I do show notes for at least two now on a regular basis. And I can't imagine just sticking in a tiny little paragraph and nothing more. You know, you want to attract people to stay on that page more than that. You want to tell them something about, you know, if you talked about an article linked to it, people want to know more.
0: Yeah, I agree. And one thing to keep in mind is a lot of the modern podcast consumption apps will display some form of your show notes within the app. And one mistake that I see again and again is I see podcasts that are putting their shows out with truncated descriptions. And Some podcast apps will pull your information from your RSS feed. Some will pull them from the ID3 tags. And I don't really think putting your full show notes in ID3 tags is a really good idea, but automatically limiting the way your show is published by truncating your your feed entries is really a bad idea. But I do, quite often myself, look at show notes for shows because I listen to some shows that kind of cover similar topics and if I know that I've already heard all the information from one show that's going to be talked about on the next show I don't really need to listen to that one all the way through so I really appreciate when I can look at their show notes and they have enough details in there that I can tell okay for the rest of this show they're going to talk about something I don't really care about I can move on to the next one and I don't know. Maybe there might come a point where if I'm subscribed to shows that just have you know two sentences that go, "Hey, we talked about podcasting this week. Oh, and we talked about advertising. Like that doesn't really give me a much to go yeah, on." Yeah, it's
1: kind of a broad topic. You want to get a little more specific, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So let's move on to our next article. And uh, speaking of agendas, this one is called "Podcast Stats: What We Don't Know." by James Cridland on Asia Radio Today. And this is another one of these articles that's telling us about why we don't have good measurement in podcasting and that everything needs to be locked down so that we can get better stats.
1: But we do have good measurement in podcasting. There's places that have really good stats for the people that are producing the podcast. What these guys want is... You know, stats that specifically relate to their ads, not the podcast they put it in. You know? Yeah. yeah. That's what it is.
0: And I'm
1: just... They cannot realistically say we don't have good stats. There are good stats. It's just not tailored to advertisers.
0: And it's pretty much all right here in the second paragraph. The advertising money is coming to podcasting somehow. Oh, somehow it is i don't know why magically it is. appears I magically don't know. appears yeah. mm-hmm. i've been i don't know where we go to sign up for the this magical ad revenue that somehow appears
1: right but i'd exactly. like to i'd like to get some of it somehow what is as that as the article
0: states but monetization is harder for podcasting because of a lack of statistics Tens of millions of
1: downloads are being thrown at a product that
0: has data, which is patchy to say the least. See, this is again geared towards
1: the advertisers. Exactly. And I think when people consider consuming any kind of media, whether it's music, whether it's, um, you know, podcasts, whether it's videos, you know, or TV shows on many, any of the various sites that have TV programs you can watch, um... I don't think most people go, hmm, I'd really like to know how this affects advertisers. You know? This goes back to what you were saying earlier about, you know, you have to see, you you really want to tailor it for the end user's experience. They're going to like what they're seeing. It's not going to annoy them. They're going to want to come back and look at more stuff or listen to more stuff. You know, these types of articles are the opposite of that.
0: Yeah. There's another part in here where uh, the writer is quoting some information from Edison, which does a lot of research on audio, radio, podcast consumption. The way we all tell people to get the podcast, subscribe on iTunes, etc., most people are mainly listening on-demand, 59%. And the article doesn't really explain that. I don't know if Edison explains that, but I tend to think of on-demand as not a, hey, I downloaded this episode to listen to it later, I'm effectively streaming it as a progressive download, and maybe that's true. But I really 59 percent of people are listening that way. I don't think so. I really
1: does on be demand. Curious. Like okay, when I think of on demand, I'm thinking, you know, okay, I have some spare time. I want to listen to a podcast. Here's one. I'll listen to this. Is that what they mean, or do they think no. that on demand means like live streaming?
0: Well, what are they saying that means? Yeah, I believe, and the the uh, the clue comes later here in the same paragraph. Uh, the writer says 59% blows my mind because it's not how I listen, but I can totally understand many people would do it that way. And as Tom Webster from Edison says, this has good implications for statistics because we know how to get stats from on-demand audio really well. So he's basically turning it around and he's making the case for saying, I don't believe that many people listen on demand, but hey, that's great because we know how to get stats from it. And I believe that he's equating on demand with streaming as opposed to downloading and not necessarily live streaming in the sense that I'm doing a live show right now, which will be recorded and later put out as a podcast. But instead of... Say subscribing to a show in iTunes and downloading an episode to your computer or your mobile device, listening to it later. You are just clicking a play button and listening back to the audio, essentially live. The, the these terminologies start to get blurred. They do, but, yeah, see, it's but a bit it confusing. sounds like what they're saying in the article is they're they're talking about essentially a stream that can be you know measured and controlled you know from the server side as opposed to this is just a dumb file that you download and then once it's downloaded they don't know what happens to it i think i've said everything i can right, about yeah, this right yeah but i
1: think these kinds of articles are good for podcasters to be aware of because sure. at some point, you might consider trying to get advertising into your show, and you need to understand that the motivation of the advertisers is not to help you and is not to uh, make your audience happy, you know? No. They're not necessarily... Some Some advertisers uh, do try to look for shows that talk about whatever their, t- their, I don't know, their product or service happens to be. Others will just put them everywhere in the yeah. hopes that some listener will do it. They're not here for you. You know, it's just kind of a way to think about it. I mean, you you do think, okay, if I get an advertiser, I'll be making some money, depending on what the agreement is. There's a possibility with that. But um, you have to realize that the advertisers aren't supporting podcasts or trying to get their ads into podcasts because they have all suddenly fallen in love with the media of podcasting or medium of podcasting, you know. They're, they're here to try to make money and they're making it off of you and your listeners. So you have to be very aware of this when you go in and make good decisions about whether or not the ad that you want to include in your show is something that's good for your show, that matches your show, that is something your listeners might actually want, you know, that kind of thing to think about. I mean, they're going to pitch you something that says, this is going to be great for your show. You're going to get all these listeners. You're going to make all this money. But realize, as with any kind of advertising, they're not really there for you, you know,
0: Yeah. If you want to go out and attempt to get hired by Gimlet Media or BuzzFeed or Panoply or any of these larger podcast networks and just produce a show for them or they pay you to produce a show and then you don't really have to worry about the advertising. Either the network's going to choose it for you and insert it after the fact or maybe they'll ask you to do a live read or whatever. I mean, that's one way to do it. I think most people who are listening to this show, that's not how they're going to do it. And the thing to always remember is, no matter how big it is, when you're producing a podcast, your audience is always the most important thing. That is your asset. That is what you want to protect. So if you're running ads in your show that you know are not going to appeal, for your, to, appeal to your audience then you are effectively disrespecting your audience and th- at least that's that's the way that I feel.
1: Well, the, so. you know, that's what it means is if you're supplying ads that are not relevant to your audience, audience they're going to be using those skip buttons.
0: Exactly. You know,
1: going back to our earlier article there. Yes. Yes.
0: So, uh the last thing on our list here how to take your podcast to the top rank on iTunes. And
1: I'm already cringing. Uh, this is, <laughs> I'm sorry. Th- there, there
0: was no, this was posted on uh, Podcast Engineers. It, it, there was no name attributed to it anywhere.
1: No, it's, and, um, I guess, yep, no so, name attached to it. So it's just part of their blog. Yep. Somebody there has written this.
0: And yeah, I, uh, I don't know. Are we being too negative on this show? <laughs>
1: I don't think we are. What do we need
0: to do to light? me? I don't think we I necessarily
1: are because we did talk about how the uh, the Star Wars flyer yeah. was a really good way of advertising. So we are ripping on uh, some of these other ways of advertising that may not be the most beneficial to individual podcasts, but we're also providing solutions like, hey, go to Comic-Con okay. if your thing is a Star Wars show, so and there you go. You this know? is
0: this is how I want to approach this. The article is titled, How to Take Your Podcast to the Top Rank on iTunes. And... There are a lot of misnomers out there about iTunes, and here's the thing. Apple never has, nor are they ever likely to, release their secret sauce for how podcasts show up when you just load their directory in either the iTunes desktop app or the iOS podcast app. So over the years, there's been a lot of attempts to deconstruct how it works and this has caused a flood of information I would say 95% of it is junk and can be ignored so I'm going to say this if you want to organically maybe that's not even the right word improve your rank in the iTunes store the only thing that matters and it kind of sucks for me to say this because I don't actually know, because I've never done it myself. But I've heard it over and over again from sources that I trust, who say, the only thing that matters is getting people to click the subscribe button. If you can get enough people in a short amount of time to click the subscribe button, you will see your show rise in the iTunes charts. Everything else... Doesn't matter. Reviews don't matter. The number of downloads you get don't matter because the way that the iTunes app and the podcast app work is once a user subscribes in one of those apps, for the most part, the iTunes store mechanism backs out of the equation. So one of the things that's been circulated a lot in the last few years is launch your podcast with three episodes because when people will subscribe and they'll download those first three episodes and that will help you sort of massage the secret sauce that gets you into the legendary new and noteworthy on iTunes. But the fact of the matter is iTunes is not if if apple is tracking the individual downloads they're not doing it in any of their equations we don't actually know really what all statistics if anything apple is tracking apple generally speaking is not the company at least historically that wants to know everything about you like google does their approach is not that their customers are the product, but that they actually make things people want to pay for so they don't have to worry about tracking every last detail of what you do. But clicking that subscribe button inside iTunes or the podcast app is something that they will track. And if in a short enough period of time you get enough clicks on that subscribe button, it can cause you to rise in the ranks on iTunes. And while... This article does reference some of the things that kind of drive a lot of people crazy, including me, Uh, what is new and noteworthy, and then why it matters. I think you can skip over all of that. Making it to new and noteworthy, you can skip over that. Uh, And then we have a section here, the iTunes secret
1: which says which? that they're secret, they're secretive about their algorithm. Yes, <laughs> you know, which is is true about that. Right. But to uh, to spin this in a slightly more positive direction, some of the information that they have at the bottom about ranking higher on iTunes mm-hmm. would actually be good for podcasters who have no interest in ranking higher on iTunes but just sure. want to make their show better. Like one of the the first thing is good audio quality. Yeah, and that's I, so important. I
0: wanted to get back around to that just to try to put some positivity in here. Right. I think
1: that's the best piece of and, information they have in this particular blog if, is you need good audio quality because if your audio quality is difficult to listen to or annoying or there's some kind of background noise that makes it hard to hear the people that are speaking chances are people are gonna stop listening even if your topic was fantastic and the you know the discussion you had was enlightening they're not going to sit through something that's just really irritating to hear you know you have, have to would, have good audio quality I think that's yeah. one of the most important things and one thing I like about this is it
0: actually says good audio quality. It doesn't say that you have to sound like, you know, you're recording in uh some NPR st- studio in, right or something, in NPR's you know? master <laughs> yeah. studio in New York with, mm-hmm. you know, ten thousand dollars worth of gear. And I think a lot of people get hung up on that and
1: it's just, just do it's gotta this. be nicely listenable. You know, you don't want to sound uh like, okay, one thing we're in the summer here, so you probably don't want to have your fan running next to you yes. where you're recording because it's going to provide a background <laughs> noise that nobody wants to hear. Can it's I, just annoying. Can I say that as
0: someone who does uh, audio editing, as, um, well, a profession, whatever, it's one of the things I do to make money, that I, I get a lot of audio from well-meaning podcasters where they've got a fan running in the background. And then I've got to try to do things to cut that out as much as possible. And that's something you can avoid. But another thing about good audio quality, okay, look up, do some research sometime on any show you like or any topic you like rather in the iTunes store and, you know, just search for a subject, whatever it is, and see how many of the results that you find at the top sound like you know they were recorded over a telephone usually those shows tend to rank lower so this is really uh, good advice and again it's not advocating that you buy a lot of equipment just
1: no it didn't get- suggest any kind of equipment at all whatsoever right. it just says to you know make sure you have good audio quality and i think part of that is you know having it's going to sound better if you're not recording it over a phone and your fan is not on next to you. You know, it'll sound better with those things. Um, If you have children or pets in the house and you're recording at home, perhaps find a way to not have them, you know, be running through the podcast, you know, generally. Although some people will be greatly amused if your cat comes and meows into your microphone, you know. You never know. But in general, you want to get rid of all the background noise possible. And I think that's one of the most important things. I think that is a... uh, Piece of advice that's good, even if you're not interested in ranking higher on iTunes, or if you already have, you know, um, this is something that's that's really good for all podcasters, no matter what their their goals happen to be. No one's going to listen if it's just too irritating because of background noises and things like that.
0: Yeah. And uh, the next thing after that, uh, the article mentions reviews, and I do appreciate the fact that the author is suggesting that you want to get your reviews from people you already know. So start with Facebook followers and friends. ask Ask them to listen to the show and do a review as opposed to going into a podcast group and go,
1: anybody want to do an iTunes review swap? Right, not a good thing. And if they listen to your show, they're going to be able to pick out something in the show and say, "Hey, this thing they said, this was really cool or interesting, or I was laughing at this, or whatever it is." And it sounds like you really did listen to the show because you did, you know. Now, yeah. if you compare with any, you know, any reviews you see for podcasts anywhere, or you know, reviews of movies or things like that, if you start going through them, you can tell pretty quickly who actually consumed the media before writing the review and who right. did not. And it's going to make you look a lot less credible if all of these are great show, was wonderful, really enjoyed it, will listen again, you know what I mean, <laughs> you know? Yeah.
0: yeah, and then there are a couple things in here that I've already kind of went off on about multiple episodes, right, right. downloads. Mm-hmm. If, if, if you're reading this article because you want to rank higher in iTunes, you can ignore those. Uh, and then there's a tip here about great copy, uh, don't underestimate the power of having a good copy for your show. and Don't just put your podcast title and name of the show. So this is alluding to show notes, which... Right. We kind of already talked about, already talked
1: about show article. notes. But I think what we've meant, we've probably mentioned in other shows is a lot of people put, you know, podcast name dash title of show. Yeah. Okay. And lately it seems that you might do a little better if you put creative title of show dash name of exactly. the podcast instead. So uh, that way when it comes up in like iTunes, it's gonna pick up the first part. And you don't want everything to just say, name of my show, name of my show, without yeah. any differentiation. The, you know, people need to glance at it and go, oh, okay, I've heard that one already. I need the next one. Or, oh, that topic looks good. I'll, I'll try that episode, you know.
0: All right. Well, uh, we've uh, pushed the 45-minute <laughs> barrier, which uh, is kind of long for a podcast news show episode. So I guess is, we had a lot yeah. to say this week. We had a
1: lot to say. Hopefully it was, uh, you know, enlightening in some way to people out there that haven't heard this before. All Somebody's right. new to your podcast every sure, time. Mm-hmm. Sure.
0: Okay, Jen, did you have anything else to add?
1: No, I think that's all.
0: Okay, well, thank you for listening. This has been Podcaster News Show. My name is Sean Thorpe. You can find us on the internet at podcasternews.com. You can find me on Twitter at Sean O, S H A W N O, Jen.
1: I'm on Twitter at Queen of Haiku. It is a private account, so you have to request to follow. And if I can figure out that you're a listener to this show, then of course I'll follow you and let you follow me
0: okay thanks again and
1: with any luck we'll be back with you in a couple weeks bye people